2: Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Viv Conway, welcome to The Mentor.
1: Thanks, Mark.
2: So you're the founder of, or co-founder, and uh, one of the directors of a business called Girls Get Off. And when I saw that in the brief, I thought, what does that mean, Girls Get Off? Am I going to get myself in a troubled day or what? Canceled. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about your uh, products and your business in a moment. Um, but I detect a bit of a... Uh, across a ditch um Accent? What's going on?
1: I know, I try to soften it a little bit so people understand me, but yes, from New Zealand yeah. and from a place called Mount Maunganui and lovely beach town on the east coast of the North Island.
2: East coast of the North Island. And it's probably raining there at the moment, but it's raining here too, so I can't <laughs> say too much. Um, and and you, this is not your first foray into business. Um, you've done other things. What have you done in the past? Where have you been?
1: I have. I actually started my first business while I was at university. So I was studying food science of all things and started selling activewear and that then led on to managing other Instagram accounts for people so as I grew that business people were asking me how did you grow the following how did you make sales from that channel Um, at the same time I started my real job I like to call it in the deer industry and got to the stage where I couldn't afford to take any more annual leave to meet with different clients so quit my university degree job for instagram stuff as i like to say which turned into an agency which was really epic and taught me lots of things but through that agency i met joe my current business partner and we thought we wanted to work together
2: did you come here to do this business or this business is a business that's in new zealand and cuts across both places australia new zealand
1: yeah, it cuts across both places. We started and we launched in March 2021 and I was still living in New Zealand and I came over to Sydney about a year and a half ago.
2: And why did you come to Sydney though? What, what, what was the reason you came to Sydney?
1: Oh, it was definitely time to leave little old Mount Maunganui and I love it here. It's so much fun. I've still got the beach in Bondi and I love the. I love New Zealand, a great place to grow up, but I love the opportunities here. I love the attitudes and I feel like... There's lots of options. It's exciting to be here.
2: Is New Zealand much different to Australia in terms of excitement and energy and uh, that type of thing?
1: I I think it's just different. Like for context, New Zealand as a whole has about the same population as Sydney. And I don't think I realised how much bigger Australia was until I got here. And I think being on the ground, you know, we'd already started shipping to Australia, but being on the ground and understanding what the trends were who people are following what influences they're influenced by it's very different to have off-the-cuff conversations with people and learn firsthand than try and do it from a different country and and figure it out that way
2: so we've got a few of your uh, products on display uh, we have here uh, I don't know what you've you, but picked up
1: peaches which are the booty plugs
2: yeah, booty plugs butt plugs <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but beautifully boxed and great colors etc but and you've got a book here too girls Guide to getting off. That's interesting. What the hell inspired you to do this? I mean, uh, take me through it. Like personal experience. What is it?
1: (laughs) Well, like I say, so Joe and I knew each other from our previous businesses. She'd been running a personalised cookie business and using Instagram cookies. Yep. Yep, and using Instagram for marketing. And I'd obviously been running a social media agency. So we knew we wanted to work together. We'd been looking at different options, sort of testing the waters and figuring out what's something fun that we might like to do and in the first lockdown March 2020 in New Zealand we were having a few socially distanced pink gins on her driveway and she said why don't we start selling literally pink gins L- literally pink gins yeah from a local company and she said why don't we start selling sex toys
2: Um, I mean obviously you're a social media person so you knew that this is a product which you can have fun and games with on social media we'll get to that down the track yeah. um, her expertise is what?
1: Same, like e-commerce, marketing. The reason... Came into her mind, I think, was because we could see that it was trending. We could see that, and we knew from personal experience that we'd started buying sex toys. We we're always very open about the topic. We could see that it was it was trending, but at the time, in terms of customer experience, your options for going to buy a sex toy were either you go into the local shop, which is a bit creepy. I mean, the one at home, I think, the back door. Of course, there's like a subtle back door entrance. You walk straight into a sex swing, so it's not particularly, um, you know, if, if you just want to dip your toes into sex toys, it's a little bit confronting and the other option is you go online and some of the larger retailers you might click on toys for her there's like 800 different types there's toys like the dong blaster 3000 or really heavy bdsm gear and it makes you go what the fuck yeah yeah it's just if you want to just dip your toes in it doesn't make it feel as normal as buying skincare so if we looked at all the other products that were being marketed to us as women we were like no one's marketing sex toys in a really normal way like any other product so we wanted to create something that was you know, made it a fun, simple, positive buying experience from the time you saw content on social media through to the website, through to receiving the product and then using the product and having a great time.
2: Was it more opportunism? Because as you just explained, the sequence of someone buying it was open to, let's call it disruption, but more gentle disruption, more pleasing disruption, more not as confronting not as scary etc was it more about opportunism in that regard or was it more women should be proud of sex toys and there's nothing wrong with it and and really this being part of a movement
1: I think initially it was around the, there's a huge opportunity for them to be marketed well. We could see that there was one other brand who was sort of leveraging influences and it sort of validated it slightly for us, getting other people to post about the product. But the more that we started researching and learning about the topic as a whole, we sort of realised that women's pleasure hasn't been as championed as you like Um in society so for example if i think about my sex education you might have learned about you know guys and girls might have been split up talked about puberty you might have had some period chats learned about consent Anatomy, disease, all those important things, but there's probably never much touched on in terms of pleasure. In fact, there was nothing in terms of pleasure, um, or that that viewed as like sexual well-being. Whereas for guys, I think there's a lot of like wanking jokes. There's an assumption that that's sort of happening already, and then. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a a close friend. I said, you know, we're thinking about starting this vibrator business. We think it could go well. And we were having an open conversation around a group of friends about masturbation. And she said to me, what do you mean you masturbate? And I said what do you mean you don't masturbate? What do you mean you even ask the question? I'm like, aren't you stressed? I'm like, how'd you make it through university? I'm like, God. So I think I realized quite quickly because it's such a private thing. It's not like, oh, Mark, I love your new haircut. Where did you get that done? It's done in private. You don't know what you don't know. And unless people are having these conversations, how else are you supposed to learn about it? In fact, the learning probably comes from a place of like porn is very easily accessible, which is, you know, it's not real life. It's entertainment and you might have women, you know, Seemingly having the time of their lives from just penetrative sex where in reality we know that over 70% of women need clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm so there's just been like the information that we've maybe consumed or been fed whether it be from our sex education whether it be from the content online just probably isn't aligned with what's possible and what um yeah where the pleasure that has potential to unlock for women so we were like not only is there a huge marketing opportunity but like wow, this is so undertapped. Like now we hear of people all the time in our community who like, wow, I just had my first orgasm with one of your toys or now I have less shame around masturbation or I've bought these for my friends. This is so great. So it is just – it's it's a little bit of both is what I'm trying to say.
2: So one, it's a, a great business opportunity because it's un, underdone. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly is definitely unevolved, was definitely unevolved. It was nearly um, – it's nearly like straitjacket stuff um, – you ride those um, sex shops, you see you see them in Sydney down uh, Oxford Street and, and you think, my God, you'd have to walk in there with a disguise. Um, you know, like It looks so scary. Um, uh, so it's unevolved. It's sort of nearly um, uh, dinosaur-y. You know, like it's like nothing's changed. In fact, the shops look like... Uh, You're going to be filmed walking in there or something. I don't know. There's something something going on in the back room type of thing. You know, you might get trapped in there and never get out. Um, So the the unevolved notion of it sort of leaves it open to more refined, um, like you've done, more refined um, product uh, design, more refined product packaging, more refined in terms of – sort of taking the taboo out. Oh, I love that word taboo. Um, and uh, but equally, it seems like an education process. So it looks like you're into educating. Can you explain to me? I mean, obviously you've done a lot of research on this. Why is it such a big taboo?
1: You know what? I actually do, I actually don't know. I, I think from talking to, well, I think the first thing I say to people, if they're a little bit unsure, I say, <laughs> what what bad things come from talking about this more? And once you think, down that path there's there's not really anything anything bad i think Back in the day, maybe when sex ed was first going into schools, they thought, oh, if we talk about sex, maybe people will have more and we'll get more, you know, teen pregnancy and things like that. Um, I also have friends who, you know, when they were at high school, the only sex ed they got was that they had to carry around like a rubber fetus because that's how big their baby would be if they got an abortion at 12 weeks. So there's like, there's just like a mixture. And, And so I imagine if you had like that kind of sex education, you'd feel pretty uncertain about what. You know, what's right, what's wrong, feels a bit uncomfortable. And like I say, you're not having conversations with people about it. So I don't know how you're how it's supposed to change your opinion unless you have positive conversations.
2: What's the approach?
1: You know, there's still a lot of learning to go for everyone in terms of the pleasure and seeing that as like a well wellness piece, but at least there is some talk of it. So that, you know, there's just an assumption that it's happening. For us, we we wanna create a space where people feel like they can. So we use a lot of humor in our marketing so that if people have a little bit of a laugh, they share it with their friends, um, they might see like, you know, every Sunday we have a Sunday confession segment and people might see something that they find inspirational or a bit funny and they'll send it off to a mate. And that in itself creates the idea of, okay, this is happening, this is okay. And then you're actually sharing that information with friends as well.
2: What did you do next? What was your very first product? Is it in his range here?
1: Yes, our very first product is here. And I think, you know, I talk so confidently now, but I think for any entrepreneur starting a business, there's always so much uncertainty before you begin, right? Yeah. So we thought, okay, let's go and market sex toys in a really fun way. And we still had people going, really? You're going to try that? And we're like, yeah, we think it might work. So to start with, we were like, how can we do this? with as less risk as possible i mean i feel like business risk business risk yeah, yeah. so we thought okay we'll just start with 500 we'll order 500 that turned into a thousand to get the customer customizations that we wanted and we thought you know what worst comes to worst we're going to have a thousand vibrators in joe's garage and we'll just have to give them away to our friends so the first product um that we started with was missy and this is sort of version two of missy um and so she is like a clit stimulator and i'm going to get your thumb mark I'll show you um, so it's if I turn it on the clitoris, no it's not quite the clitoris if I turn it on so that creates like a, a light vacuum around the clit and yeah. then it's a pulsing sensation so like a
2: sucking
1: yeah it's really like a sucking it's very different from traditional vibrations
2: yeah, can I see it? Yeah,
1: you uh, can see it. Put it on the end of your nose because you might be able to feel the suction a little bit. better. My well, it's
2: been broken so many times I can't feel anything, <laughs> but um, I can feel it. Yeah, I can feel it. As, as well as vibrating, it's sort of gently sucking on my cheek. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's got speeds on it, very speeds. The
1: speeds, yes. And, it's got uh, 10 different modes. Oh, my God, I
2: can't turn it off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll get that for you. Yeah, so we started with Missy, and I mean, I mentioned the stat earlier. Is, is that it? Is
2: that what Missy looked like?
1: This is what Missy looks like. So,
2: j- just take me through. this. Oh then. wait,
1: we had a we had a version first, which was a prototype. Yeah, yeah. We had our first version, and then this is the second version, which is okay, like just, fully Okay, just take waterproof. me through
2: that then. Okay, just, so, I, I just wanted to sort of dig in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why did you call it Missy? Uh,
1: we wanted names that were much like the toy, cute, approachable, fun. There was another brand at the time who were doing a good job of marketing. They had really approachable looking toys, but the names were still like that of, um, they had names like the billionaire or the tennis coach. And there, I think it's just like a, it's still a nod to Well, it just-
2: Guys doing the job.
1: Guys doing the job or like that you need someone else to do it. So we wanted something that was um, cute, you know, personal responsibility for your own tennis coach or something like that. Yeah, tennis coach. Exactly. Do they have a tennis coach? Yeah, they have a tennis coach. No bullshit. Yeah, no, they do. They do. How
2: do I know that? Oh, fuck. (laughs) No, I I don't know that, okay? I just guessed it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we wanted something that didn't reflect um, the patriarchy, if you will.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You can take this and, um, use it with a partner, super easy to use with a partner, Mm -hmm. use it in the bath and the shower and fun friend that you can use to, um, find out more about yourself.
2: It's a sort of phallic shaped, dick shaped, (laughs) and it's sort of a, it's the right size. In other words, it's easily held. Yeah. It's not too big. It's not too small. So just in terms of the industrial design, how'd you go about that?
1: Well, I think for us, we decided we're never going to be, our interest is not in being the you know latest and greatest, best technology. We're not out here to compete with Berlin on what the next best function of a sex toy is. For us, it's about what looks great. What's something that you could look leave on your bedside table, wouldn't look out of place, leave it in the shower, wouldn't be a big big deal. Um, I think most people's kids, when they accidentally find them think they're little thermometers or phones um it's it's just non-intimidating that's the biggest yeah yeah that's that's the most important part for us so um joe my business partner and our designer work together they work on the aesthetics and making sure that it looks cute and fun and then we work with our supplier to make sure that it's the right size that it's possible that you can fit the right size motor in the toy that you want for the certain look
2: it's quite cute In terms of colour, I really like that dusty pink colour. Is it meant to be just left in your handbag? I mean, can you take this thing through security? You can take them
1: through security, yes. Yeah, common FAQ actually, but um, speaking from personal experience, I've taken many vibrators in my carry-on and my checked luggage um, and they're fine. They're lithium batteries, but they're not loose. So they're not like loose. You know how you get in trouble at the airport for having like a power bank or yep. loose batteries? Yep. So because it's enclosed in something, you're totally fine. Never,
2: never had it pulled out. But it might
1: be good marketing if, I if think it, it would did, be. you grab someone, so took a, it'd be great Someone
2: took a photo straight away with <laughs> yeah. their mobile phone <laughs> yeah. and uh, then posted it. Especially if someone was an influence, that'd be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. In LA or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is your very first product. Yeah. Do you selling these globally or mostly in Australia?
1: Uh, Australia, New Zealand, and a little bit to the States. We, I think like many entrepreneurs, it's very easy to get excited and go, we want to be everywhere now. Um, But when we started in New Zealand, we really quickly tried to, Start sending them to over to Aussie. But we actually had a really big issue with our first toy, and that um, the manufacturer had told us that they were waterproof and they turned out not to be waterproof. Um, so we had a return rate of about 20%. So for us to send toys to Aussie, and then if we needed to send replacements, it was eating into our margin too much. And it actually served us well because I think by focusing on New Zealand only at the beginning was great because it meant we got such great awareness. And then now, doing a little bit the same to Australia. So, you know, dominate New Zealand and then, all right, it's time to do Aussie rather than trying to spread ourselves really thin if we do have issues like that or if you're then just splitting your marketing spend up across different places and it's just not as effective.
2: That's always a good way to, I mean, and, and, and I think that's a really important lesson. I mean, a lot of people in Australia um, tend to test market in Adelaide and to make sure it, it works, you I know, mean, like delivery works, the the, the story works, the, the item is, you know, Does what it's supposed to do, if it is an item, or if it's a concept, like if it's a home loan or something like that, it does work in terms of uh, conceptual. Then they roll it out, and New Zealand to some extent is probably a good example of that. I mean, if you could, if you can test, it probably sounds like you do this by default. But if you can test market something in New Zealand and it works, it's more than likely will work okay here in Australia. Mm -hmm. So that that worked out. Sort of without planning it that way worked out quite well.
1: Yeah, New Zealand's different. Defi- I remember someone said to me, you know, if you can get it going in New Zealand, New Zealand is the best sandpit for then taking it uh, to a different country. The thing that we probably uh, needed to relearn when we came to Australia is that it's remembering that you don't have that brand awareness. You know, you've got yeah. to you've got to start again from the ground up, and it is like building the business again in a way, even though you've had all those learnings. Um, you you have to start from the beginning with your relationships with the tactics that you're going to use you can't you can't with everything just copy and paste
2: would you consider new zealand more conservative than australians
1: you know we have never actually had i might have had like one or two in person at an expo where people have had a bit of an adverse reaction but we've never had people um yeah we've never I've never really noticed that. I think it's probably because the people that we do interact with or the people that message Like-minded. us are really encouraging and they're like, this is awesome, this is great. So I guess even if there are people that are hesitant, we just don't see it so much.
2: So, you, you, yeah, I'm just interested to see whether Australians are more conservative or, or around the other way. My, just my gut feeling is that New Zealanders are more conservative than Australians, but I mean, I guess maybe Sydney's more more crazy than, uh, say, Melbourne too. So uh, so we're we're lots of different cultures in this country.
1: I think it's also a case of um, once you get the ball rolling, then you know once someone can see, I'll give you an example. When we first started, we reached out to 70 influencers. Four said yes, two of whom we already knew. So there was huge resistance at the beginning, and, and there still is, but there was huge resistance for people. I don't want to post that, don't feel comfortable with that. But once we started getting the ball rolling and people could see, Oh, Simone's posted all right that makes me feel better about that, or all that other influencers posted and actually, I really liked that she'd shared that so I'll feel more comfortable now. It definitely started to snowball um so I think it was you know everyone once everyone feels like they're in it together, then it takes away those uncomfortable feelings as yeah,
2: well it's, well it's because of the taboo element I think yeah people don't want to be the first, yeah but equally if it if it's an, um empowering and um enlightening and uh sort of um, lifts a heavy weight off you. Um, everybody all of a sudden wants to join. Yeah. be yeah. part of it. Yeah. Like, uh, like I wish I'd have thought about it before. Yeah.
0: or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: Sitting here with Viv Conway, and Viv is the uh, co-founder, along with her uh, business partner uh, of a business called Girls Get Off. Um, and we've got a, in front of me right here is a, pink-coloured book called A Girl's Guide to Getting Off. Do the Girl Guides get upset with that?
1: <laughs> um, no, I don't know if the girl's gu- Girl Guides are upset by that, but they're yet to tell us. Um, the background to this book actually has quite a cool story. So we've got okay. a Facebook group called Girls Get Off Uncensored, which is a place where our community can support each other and ask anonymous questions and sort of get feedback. Girls
2: Get Off unseen.
1: Girls get off uncensored.
2: Uncensored. Uncensored, uncensored,
1: yeah. And there was one post in there one day where uh, one girl was trying to explain to someone else a sex position. And she had drawn on like Snapchat with stick figures, like what position she was trying to explain. And it was so funny. And we thought it was coming to Christmas. We thought, why don't we get our community to submit their favorite positions and we'll do a free downloadable guide and we'll send it out to everyone for Christmas. I've got to be careful with my New Zealand accent here, but the the guide was um, a girl's guide to festive fucking. Um, And that went really well. It was very funny, very well received. And the next year we thought, why don't we turn this into an actual product that people can buy. So um, Christmas is sometimes a little bit slower for us because people are buying for their immediate family. You're not always buying a vibrator for your mum. So we wanted something that we could target towards couples. So A Girl's Guide to Getting Off is a mixture of chapters. Not only does it have a lot of those sex positions, but it also has sections on intimacy, communication, foreplay, all those important things that happen before penetration even starts and it's also got sections by uh, a friendly sexologist Morgan Penn on squirting and butt play so it's like a little a great coffee table book
2: yeah no it would definitely get uh, conversation going yeah <laughs> um, and so we go well, what the hell is this uh that's not a bad book actually but you could sort of so is it about using your products or is it about actual uh you know sex between partners
1: uh it's some of it is about our products, but it's mostly sex between partners.
2: Like I just opened page; I think it's page <laughs> thirty-three, and it says "lap it up." And of course, uh, there's a there's a person. I don't know whether it's a boy or a girl. I uh, going down on. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, I, uh, this is a bad time to ask, what are we? And it goes on to talk about three points, but um, difficulty level one, one out of five. Uh, that's pretty clever. It's cute. So, the book was. And here's another one called The Satisfier. So uh, this is sort of about positions by look at things, standing sex. It's sort of like a, a Kama Sutra style thing, but uh, uh, not as – um, not like the Kama Sutra, but you know what I mean, like Kama Sutra, like lean on me, another one where the yeah. the one party's legs are way up in the air. I mean, is this book, for example, um, equally bought by non-heterosexual people, like in other words, uh, uh, sex partners?
1: yeah I mean it's done with stick figures on purpose because we wanted it to be applicable to anyone. Yep. I will say that um it does it mostly bought by hetero customers because right. that's normally who our customers are um We find that it's it's been really interesting to market the book because I think when you're selling a sex toy it's really easy for people to understand like sex toy equals orgasm, and with a book you've got a really sell a little bit harder and help people understand like the benefits of the book if that makes sense reminds me of selling like an informational based product compared to um a toy where they can quite easily see the result and does the book sell well it does sell well it actually sells better in person because people can flick through they think all this is great i'd love to buy this as a wedding gift for a hen's party um yeah, so it sells better in person because people can actually have a look. So we're still working on how we can get that across online. would
2: be a great – I think it's a great gift. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it's funny. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't give a shit what people think about me. So, I mean, this is the sort of thing I would give to somebody, to, I mean, only because I'd like to see their response.
1: I've, I've actually had parents uh, want to buy it for their – daughters, just as something that's a little bit more educational and a little bit fun, like you say.
2: Leave it laying around the house and they might open it up. Well, no, no, seriously, because like it's not a bad way for the kids to start asking questions.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really informative. Like we speak about, it is funny and it is fun, but there's some really epic content in there and it's so important. Um, uh, We haven't so much had... Any complaints, I guess, or any feedback from people who have had young kids who've got the book?
2: Well, maybe i just quickly go through the toys here, what we got. Can you explain sure. what we've got? Uh, so which, that one there is your butt plug.
1: So you're holding peaches. Um, we call them booty plugs so that it's just a Sorry little bit cuter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, again... Can you this... explain
2: to me, honestly, Yeah, I, I just need to know. Yeah. What is the pleasure? I mean, explain the pleasure paradigm for this.
1: So booty plugs, th- there's two in this box because we wanted them to be super beginner like our audience is really curious they're new to toys so we wanted it to be as non-intimidating as possible in terms of the pleasure. So it can make things feel a little bit more full. Um, you've got a prostate mark, so that will feel nice. I at, definitely do. And, and different well, for I still you. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and because there's two in a pack, you know.
2: Is there a large one and a small one there? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. So you
1: can kind of move up a level or you can use one each. Lots of yeah. our um, audience have been I'll messaging I'll say at, <laughs> at the beginner's level. Thanks, <laughs> much. You say at beginner's level. Yeah, perfect. But, so, is that, but
2: is that a good seller?
1: Yeah, this yeah. is a good seller, And yeah. like this is so taboo and still this is the first toy we've done that's um still quite uncomfortable for people. Like a lot of other brands that are like modern and future thinking, they're still not delving into booty stuff yet. Right. But we wanted to push the boundaries a little bit and offer that to our client, our customers because we know that it's it, it pops up in confessions. We know from talking to them that this is an area that they're curious about. So Does that
2: come with like a, a lubricant?
1: Uh, no, I'll show you the lube. It and doesn't come is, with
2: lubricant. Like it said. doesn't come. You it, can
1: buy a lube separately. So this is our lube, juicy. Yep. Um, I'll just get of her course. out of the box. Yeah. And so I think I mentioned. Did I mention at the beginning when we wanted to start this business, we wanted it to be like as normal as buying skincare. Like we yep. want this to be super normal. So our lube packaging. Oh, is um, pretty. It's nice. Know, similar to skincare, it's got like a pump top. Um, which is just like skincare. So instead of like squirting too much out of a bottle or having like a big dong-shaped bottle that's rolling around in your bedside drawer, this is instead something that's nice and cute. You can keep it on your bedside table. Looks nice. People wouldn't even know what it was. Um, So that's the lube there. We've got some Intimate Wipe. Um, We've got Tiff. This was our second ever toy. So she's like a a jewel toy. So you've got the same like pulsing or sucking function as missy on the external but this like slips inside and vibrates on the g-spot at the same time it's very bendy and flexible Both to, sides. Fit, to fit all different shapes that, and sizes. that's not for
2: two people that's for one person
1: hold your hand out. this is for one person so you've got like the pulsing side on here oh my demo toy it's got 10 different functions and then it also has 10 different oh, wow. like vibrating yeah, yeah, functions
2: too so that's sort of supposed to stimulate your uh, anus as well
1: G spot, G so spot. that's oh, in the vagina, that. and that's on the clit on the outside. Right.
2: Yeah. Oh, it goes yeah. on the inside.
1: Yeah, that goes. It doesn't on the inside. go. Okay. Yeah. 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 A yeah. um, little oh, bit confusing, cool. but then once you use it, it makes sense. Um, and then our last toy, this is our last product, um, is Polly. So this is a little pocket vibrator. Keep this one in your handbag, Mark. This has got ten different settings as well. Right. And it's just nice and simple.
2: So when you're on the plane, you sort of, you know, if you're on a <laughs> <Yeah>. long trip. <laughs> Are a bit bored? Yeah,
1: when you're on the plane yeah. going back across the ditch, you can yeah. use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, And that's also really fun for partners as well. You use it all over your body. Um, pop that one behind your balls. That'll be lovely.
2: Oh, that's very good. So is that everything? Um, I that's don't want everything. To miss and Anna then you've got a book. No, so, it's all seven. So, okay, it's us about marketing now.
1: Okay, let's Cause this Because,
2: I mean, I can imagine, I, I don't know, but do any of the platforms actually buy you?
1: Mm. Right. Oh, my goodness. So while... Most e-commerce businesses are probably pouring most of their marketing spend into the likes of Meta, so Facebook, Instagram. We can't do most paid marketing, so we. But they won't accept it. They won't accept it. Yeah, right. we had our ad accounts banned very early on. But do, do
2: they won't accept the imagery, or they won't accept. A narrative, but what the is the imagery, it
1: when- the words. Um, we've had our Instagram account shut down before. Once we we hit fifty k one day, next day we woke up, it was gone because of certain content that we'd posted, and it, it was actually just certain words. Like Instagram will pick up if there's if it's describing like a certain act. Um, so now we're very careful. We've had our TikTok account. I think our first TikTok account we got to 50k, and then same thing we just got like very heavily shadow banned, and it was just easier for us to start a new account, so we've started from the bottom again. So we're constantly treading very carefully with these platforms.
2: So what is it that that, that the algorithm picks up? I and mean, it's obviously not somebody sitting there going, "Let's get rid of this," but yeah. it, it's a system, so it's a software picking something up. So. Is it when you say certain words? Were we talking about masturbation? What what words are the words that are barred?
1: Yeah, it's just or any trigger. any like sexual words, anything describing an act. So if you said something like gave a blowjob, or even even in our Facebook group, if someone says something like uh, men suck or something, then it, it will pick that up as like bullying as well. So we've got to be we like avoid. A, we don't want people talking like that or putting anyone down, so we're very careful in the group anyway. But we do have to tread very carefully and get people to, you know, instead of writing sex, we write S3X and things like that. Um, So, yeah, it's mostly for us. It's then been about growing this uh, organically with good content that entertains people and also leveraging other people's channels, whether that be influencers, whether that be trying to get press, um, podcasts, and so on.
2: So, but the 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 um, the, the software, I don't know whether it's Meta or whoever, um, this, you're saying the software though, will pick up certain words. So you can instead of saying the word sex, you can go s3x. Yeah.
1: Does that
2: um does that outwit the software? Does the software stumble over that
1: it seems to and and like when we have confessions on sundays there's obviously some explicit things that come through there we started a burner account so we've got our main instagram account and then we've got ggo.burner so if there's anything like very explicit we put it on that account that if it gets banned then you know start again yeah start again um and we also will like screenshot things re-upload them cross out words so that you can still read them but that we're fingers crossed, hoping the algorithm doesn't pick that up with their image recognition software, um, and so that's the game we play.
2: Because your expertise and your partner's expertise is this area, mm. then all of a sudden, though, if you're if you get neutered and uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they sort of say we well, can't use it, um, you're trying to you're trying to outsmart all the time um, the system. Yeah, And that would be a full time job in itself.
1: Yeah, we're very. Careful like I think Joe and I are the only yeah, Joe and I are the only ones who have access to the so or who post anything on social media. We have someone else who does DMs, but in terms of anything that goes up, it either goes through us or we do it ourselves.
2: So you've you've worked out how to navigate though all this stuff. But at yeah. the same time get the message across. Yeah. So you have to constantly be on it you yourself, you and your partner, have to be constantly on your accounts making sure that everything's okay.
1: Yeah. Well Facebook group is managed by our community manager, which is fine. But in terms of posting things like stories or posts that go on Instagram, yeah, we still do that.
2: What's amazing is that the uh, algorithm that sits in the software for Meta is actually holds the same taboo views that you're sort of uh, pushing against.
1: Yeah, I guess – I mean, I guess – Previously, like people maybe don't want get masks and handcuffs popping up on their yeah. Facebook feeds. so it's probably come from that place. And or you know, people who are under eighteen on the platform, it has it doesn't account for products that are really approachable and friendly compared to others. So I guess they just have a blanket no across the board.
2: Yeah, well, that's yeah, well, that's but that's what taboo is. It's a mm-hmm. blanket no, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're just not going to let we 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 use a spray technique. Um that's how society works. The spray technique is because we can't we can't work out at what level people are gonna find something acceptable or unacceptable, they just ban everything. Totally. And uh and uh, that's exactly what what your product and your business is doing. The opposite. How much has the COVID period and the resurgence of people dialing into porn, how much has that helped your products become more acceptable?
1: Yeah, I think So we initially launched March 2021 in New Zealand in September of 2021. We went into the second lockdown and that lockdown, because we had previous experience and knew how high engagement was going to be on social media at that time, I'd actually just got off a plane. I was in Queenstown and I rang Joe, and we were like, this is going to be huge. Let's just go all in for this lockdown period that was supposed to only be three days. So I think that evening, I had my sister ready to go to the supermarket in the morning. We were like, let's do a giveaway a day. Let's put content on stories every day. And I don't think either of us have ever worked more hours in our lives. There was a, It ended up being a 10-day period for the whole of New Zealand. Auckland went on to have a few more, a bit more. Um, but we, I was like waking up supposed to be on holiday down in Queensland waking up pulling my laptop onto me and just starting to work and lucky I was staying with friends they were like making me dinner um and through that period we just we just went so hard and that that hugely helped our growth because we just capitalized on what we knew was going to work and we also knew that no one would move as fast as us so once we started doing giveaways then you know some other people started also doing the same but we'd been so ahead of the ahead of the curve that we were like leading the charge
2: does the breadth of what you can look at on porn today assist you in terms of making things more acceptable
1: i don't know i feel like there's still i mean this is probably just coming from what i've observed but i feel like Porn still isn't really talked about enough in like a healthy way or discussed in the way that it's like it's entertainment, it's not real life. Um, So I feel like even though porn is perhaps becoming more popular, it's probably still not talked about as much and people probably still hold a lot of shame around porn. Their habits, if if they have that, they
2: keep it in secret.
1: Yeah, they keep it in secret. So I don't know. But that's probably
2: part of the attraction of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's
2: not so much the shame, but it's more the secret. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, yeah, (laughs) the real secret. uh, And I guess people, yeah, I guess people, if they're looking at different porn and want to explore more things, then then maybe that helps us as well. But I haven't got anything concrete to say that because people were maybe watching porn more, exposed to more things that, that helps our business. Have
2: you noticed any bump in your business as a result of, or relative to any macro events apart from COVID?
1: We did have a billboard campaign that we ran that was our, our top performing, like in terms of return. Normally we just do a billboard if we want to get press or want to have a laugh with people and take good photos for socials. And and this one, we actually saw a good uptake in sales from it and press articles. So we... Um, live in the small beach town, Mount Monganui. Auckland had been in a longer lockdown than the rest of the country, not as long as Melbourne, but they were pretty keen to get out of the house. And a lot of them have beach houses, holiday houses uh, where we live. So we knew that there'd be this influx on the day that it was all opened up. And we wanted to have a billboard on the state highway or somewhere in the Mount that said, Aucklanders are coming, so can you. And it was actually, it was a struggle initially to even get the billboard because we wanted this one in the middle of town. And the guy said, look, you can't have that one. The landowner's too conservative. He said, but I've actually found this one on the state highway. And uh, he actually used to sell sex toys. So he says, do whatever you want. We were like, perfect. So we had that billboard up one week and that I've never seen the traffic backed up at two o'clock in the afternoon next to the billboard. I've never seen a line of traffic that long in that place ever. And it was just perfect. And we actually saw a spike in sales. I was like, that just was not expected. Um, We also got uh, some complaints from the billboard being up, um, which worked in our favour because it ended up in a press Control article. Controversy always works. Which is <laughs> yeah, it's all good. And it's not like we were, you know, putting anyone down or anything. It was just a bit of a laugh. And so that ended up um, a few Advertising Standards Authority complaints. And But it ended up with a good press article for us, which was great. And then the weekend after, the week after, sorry, we had... Um, Christmas is coming, so can you, because it was leading into Christmas Eve. So that campaign um, definitely worked really well and still very much known for our billboards, even though we don't do that many anymore.
2: So, I mean, this is one of those things you can be really cheeky with. I like the boldness of the whole thing. I mean, it's very good. Um, But where do you see it going in terms of, I mean, you are creating a bit of a movement. You are creating education and changing people's morals or maybe their views on or and or ethics on what is acceptable do you see enough movement in terms of people's views changing that you feel encouraged that this could be something that will be a you know a 10 bagger in other words you know, be 10 times what you're doing now at some stage i mean do you look f- that far ahead
1: yeah, well, we're very um, ambitious and like many other um, entrepreneurs, just like blind optimism all the way through, which is always good. Uh, I think the next step for us, um, you know, even though we're so in this industry and we feel like everyone's doing it and it's you know super saturated, you, I feel like you always do that with whatever business you're in. Um, for us, the next step is retail, so it's like a store in store, well, not a store for us, yeah. But now a lot of the retailers are starting to put these products on the shelf. We can see it in um, department stores in Europe, in the UK and in the States, and it's happening online. You've got the Iconic has arranged. range. There's lots of other online retailers in Australia that have them, um, and New Zealand, we're in, just in talks with one of the department stores over there, so it's it's very much at the beginning of the next phase of people buying these in person from stores where they'd already be, um, and I'm excited for that because that will be – the real that'll be the real show of like this being really normalised. If people can go to the pharmacy and pick up a little poly or something, or you know, before that a weekend boy. away, or, or if they're at the, you know, even at the petrol station on a road trip, you forget your vibrator and then you can just swing in and get another one. Like that'll be cool. That'll yeah. be cool. And that's uh, what we're moving towards.
2: I guess if you can convince the retailer, the retail stores or the department stores, what it happens to be, if you can convince them that this is going to drag people into the store, which, and they might buy other things as well. <laughs> a very good friend of mine used to always say everyone's got their price and um, retailers have got their price and their price is more sales, not mm-hmm. just of your product, but more sales yeah. generally. Yeah. You know, is this a, a thing that will draw people in. I'd love to see the case presented to retailer and, 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 uh, and, uh, and just see the looks on retailers saying, well, hey, she might be right because, and, and it, what it'll do is, I mean, what it does, these things always tend to follow, follow change in social views. You know, if you could, if you could somehow convince them that social views have changed about this sort of stuff. And you're, you're, you're in the front seat because you know, you guys have got the data. Mm. No one has got the data mm. and, and they would go, wow, shit, hang on a minute. Um, she knows something we don't know. And we maybe should be getting on board with what she knows.
1: Yeah. And you make a good point, you know, like one of our best retailers is a pharmacy, which I think people, yeah. you know, if people are only going there and they've got a very low basket size, by the time they add something that's, you know, worth $147 or something, that's like all of a sudden a lot bigger, a lot more cash in the pharmacy's pocket too. So yeah, it's, everyone wins.
2: Do you do uh, like Tupperware style parties with this?
1: (laughs) We often do get asked that, but we we don't we don't we've done different events for like our community, but we haven't so much. I mean, I've done an event here just for some friends, and that was pretty fun. Um, but we're we're more focused on our socials and then in person in terms of expos and trade shows. Yeah, I mean we we've just launched like an affiliate program, so if people want to like get a get a kickback from for any products that they do sell they can do it that way um we haven't affiliates, fully, that's the word, affiliates yeah, yeah yep. we have we've just launched that which is cool um but not so there is another brand who has grown through those like party style um party style things but for us we're also quite um i i think do you know what i think there's probably also an element of us being so careful of our brand. Um, I think there's a lot in this space where, and it's very easy, particularly in this space where for people to say, oh, you don't need a man anymore. Oh, this is, you know, and and be quite anti-male as well, which is something that we're Really against like we want this to be positive, empowering. Get to know yourself so that you can show other people. So I would be, I would actually be quite worried, probably like any other entrepreneur, not wanting to let go of control. That that those values wouldn't filter through if we had other people, um, you know, off doing parties and stuff.
2: Final question for you, Viv Conway. Um, you got a blokes line coming out. <laughs>
1: We get asked this all the time. Unfortunately, not Mark, but look, I told you you can have some of these booty plugs, Thank you. and you know have a little go on poly, Thank the you pocket much. vibrator, I and that. that'll have to do you for now. But um, uh, no, I
2: wasn't asking for myself, but it's a, <laughs> but it's a general question, though. Like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Look, uh, at the moment, this is enough. Um, but look, we're always yeah, we're always open. Never say no, you know.
2: Thanks very much, Viv Conway. That was awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, but actually, I think it's a serious business and uh, beautifully done.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. You're
2: welcome.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistant Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.